if you have a lot of money, you can buy speed in your business a sure. lot of times with additional ads and other sorts of things. But if you're broke, you got to figure it out and <laughs> you got to definitely put in the hard work. So it's kind of a scale of how much money do you want to put in or get investors and mm -hmm. give away part of your business? Or do you want to put in the work initially and maybe have more later? Hey, welcome to another episode of the Coffee Break Podcast, where our mission is to share business ideas, practices, and strategies while we enjoy our cup of coffee. Today's guest is Mikey Moran, and he wrote a book. It's called Fearless Beauty, uh, and it's all about the entrepreneur life. Uh, it, he's calling it the hair business blueprint, but it's a blueprint for anybody that's trying to start a business or grow a business. Wonderful conversation, exciting conversation, tips and tricks, things that you will want to engage with, and especially about how to interact with your with your partner or your spouse if you are in the entrepreneurial world or if you are partnering with someone that's in the entrepreneurial world. Great advice as well. Before we jump into the conversation, though, I do want to invite you to subscribe if you haven't already. Make sure you do that. You can do this by visiting our YouTube page by searching YouTube for L-O-C-D-O-C-I-N-C, or you can go to lockdoc.net slash podcast. All the podcast platforms that we're on are available for you there. You can check those out and make sure you subscribe because we have a brand new episode every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. and we don't want you to miss a single episode. So before we get too far, make sure you subscribe. We'll wait for you. Okay, hopefully you've done that and we'll see you uh, after this conversation. We got so much to say, we got a podcast to make, we're sipping on lattes, and it's time for a coffee break, it's time for a coffee break, oh yeah. Alright Mikey, welcome to the podcast, thank you for being here today. I'm glad I'm here with my nice cup of coffee you made, let's do it. I mean, it's it's the Coffee Break Podcast. Right. It's been a long time since I've had somebody sitting here and actually drank coffee with me, so oh. that's exciting. Oh, yes, for sure. A you, lot of people just drink water when we do these things. Uh, water, tequila, I mean coffee, it's all, it's all, <laughs> it's all relative. <laughs> well, we appreciate you driving up from Atlanta just for this today. Yep. That's pretty, pretty exciting. <laughs> I'm sure you were, you're here for other reasons, but... Well, uh, but we'll we'll claim that it's just for this. Main driver was this actually to get back in the studio is yeah. pretty exciting. So you know I'm I'm pretty amped about this, and the studio is incredible. I mean I, I'm really impressed. Oh, awesome. Well, we're glad to have you. We're gonna chat about entrepreneurship. We're gonna chat about lots of different things, including uh, your book um, that I've I, I've read through uh, maybe about a half of it so far. So I've got some questions on that, some things we can chat about. But before we do that. It's rapid fire. Five randomly selected questions just to get under your skin with unknown point values, and then we'll give you a score at the end. Okay, I'm looking for that high score. All right, here we go. Question number one, of all the things that you've bought in your life, what has been the worst purchase? Oh, the worst purchase, probably a multiple of PC computers. Okay. I'm just a Mac guy now. You know, my girlfriend converted me. Yeah. And um, I just always would have problems with these PC computers. And then, you know, once I went over to the dark side, a.k.a. Apple, I'm just like, how does everything work? So all PC computers. All PC computers. Because they have really a short lifespan. You just have to throw them in the trash can after a couple of years. Oh, my God. Yeah, no resale value, you know, spyware, or, you know, all sorts of viruses, all sorts of stuff. I'm like, you guys got a lot of issues over here. It's very, very intriguing. All right, question number two. What argument did you have that looking back was absolutely ridiculous? Oh, my gosh. I've had plenty of arguments in my life. Uh, what argument? 
I'm trying to think here with if I want to go down the business side or personal side. You know, there's a lot of different paths here. Um, okay, so I was arguing with my sister. We were recently visiting my grandmother up in Delaware. Okay. And one of my goals is to go see my grandmother every three months okay. because she, even though she is in Delaware because she's almost 90 now. And wow. I said, there's probably not too many times I can go see her. Yeah. So I said, okay, Carrie, that's my sister, Carrie. I said, you know, I'm going to rent the car. I'll take care of everything. Like, let's just go up there. And we actually hadn't traveled together in probably t- over 25 years, mm-hmm. which is really weird. Yeah. Um, so we get there and all she would do is complain. I rented a BMW, which, you know, I have a BMW myself and a nice cars. Mm-hmm. So I rented a BMW, I think X2, which is kind of like almost like an SUV, like a hybrid. It's trying ha- to be one. Trying yeah. to be kind of thing. And all she would do is complain about the seats, how hard they were. Mm. So then we just got in this big argument. I was like, well, the next time you rent the car, you do all this stuff. Like I footed the bill for all this. You can't really be up here complaining when we're mm-hmm. trying to have like, I don't want to say it's a vacation because I worked the whole time anyway, but yeah, just random and stupid. Yeah. Well, kudos to you for traveling with your sister after that many years. That would, I could not do that at all. Yes, it's an interesting dynamic for yeah, sure. Definitely not happen. <laughs> Question number three on any given day, what do you think you spend the most time doing? Thinking about how to grow my business. Mm. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It's if I'm not working physically in front of a computer or doing something like that or something physically doing the business. You know, it's very hard for me to turn off my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, very difficult for I've found a few ways to do so: shower, watching a movie in a movie theater. Other than that, yeah, I'm thinking about what's next. Yeah, there's a. a did you ever watch David Letterman? Yeah, for sure. He used to have this little uh, this little statement: "There's no off position on the genius switch." There you go. All right, question number four: What is something that uh, has had a big impact on your life that you have observed from afar? So not something that you were directly involved with, but you kind of saw it from a distance. That had a big impact. Mm -hmm. Hmm. I think a big impact is watching other businesses and really studying those businesses from afar Mm -hmm. um, from an outside perspective. I think it's been something that has helped me learn different and grow different. Mm -hmm. Um, and something that I continue to do. I continue to spend a lot of time learning from others and uh, getting the education that's out there, listening to podcasts like this with business owners and other things. So yeah, definitely from afar, I like to watch other businesses and get tactics and ideas of what they're doing. And I think trying to implement the things that make sense for my business. Got it. Very cool. And last question, number five, what will be your go-to story when you're old? Ooh, my go-to story when I'm old. Probably some wild night in Bangkok that I probably can't talk about today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, we've had some people like, oh, Vegas is so crazy. I was like, Vegas is not crazy, guys. Like, this is this is the spot. Uh, probably some wild nights. Even me and my girlfriend would go clubbing and, like, the sun's coming up and we're like, wait a second, what happened? Mm. Just just kind of fun stuff that I figure when I'm old, I'm going to be like one of those crazy old guys that just talks a lot of trash, messing with everybody, tipping the, you know, everybody a hundred dollars, just hopefully I can do that. I don't know. Maybe not. Let's get to that point. But you know, cause I really appreciate, uh, customer service and mm-hmm. at hotels and restaurants and everything. So I'm going to be a crazy old guy. So probably telling the crazy old store or crazy stories that I 
probably don't reveal today. There you go. All right. Well, congratulations. You made it through rapid fire. Thank you. We'll give you a score of 832. Oh, okay. I was I was just listening to this podcast and someone was in the 700s. So I, I'm, look, I'm in the eights. Let's go. <laughs> good way to get this thing started. If there was a scale, it would be really, really good. All right. Well, um, so we're going to, we're going to talk a little bit and I'm going to be using some of, uh, some of the information from your book that we're going to be discussing. And, and I was just asking you this before we got started. What was the driver? Cause I'm, I, and if, if you've listened to the podcast before, anybody that's listened to the podcast before, I, I have a deep admiration for people that write books. Uh, it's they've been been big a big impact on my life, especially from a business perspective, um, and it's something that I aspire to do one day. But what drove this? What uh, what was the kind of the the reason that you said, "Hey, I'm going to write kind of what's been going on in my life down on this book"? Yeah, I got it. I got it done. Um, I had you know COVID hit in 2020 and. My girlfriend and I definitely like to travel a lot, mm-hmm. and I knew that was coming to an end. Yeah. Uh, so I was just going to be saving up some rewards points, credit card points for a little while. And so I was like, okay, I have this free time. Now is the perfect time to write this book. Uh, I reached a certain level in our business. We became an eight-figure business, and I felt like I had the receipts to be able to give out information that will help other entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to create almost a manual for something that if when I was first started as an entrepreneur, really back in about 2005, mm-hmm. if I had if I had somebody just create the, that have this book and say, Mikey, read this book, maybe read it twice mm-hmm. to get started in your journey of entrepreneurship. That's what I really wanted to create. Because yes, the name is Fearless Beauty, but really it's a plug and play for any product. And yeah. it's really kind of a very honest approach to entrepreneurship. It was it was intriguing. So you sent us a couple of copies of these books in the mail prior to, uh, to today. And I recently took a few days off and I was sitting uh, on the beach reading this book. And I was like, all right, I've got to read about how to build a, a hair business. So this is going to be great. Like, right, this is, right. This is really applicable. Yeah, really. Uh... And uh, and so I started reading and I was like, this is not a hair. I'm sure there, there's components in here that will help someone specifically with a hair business, but there's this fa- fundamental business information in here, just uh, kind of structure, implementation, consistency, all of those types of things. So yeah, it's, it, it's definitely a fun read so far. Uh, and you really share a lot of just kind of the, the the information that we've that any entrepreneur that has actually started down this path or anybody that's tried to grow a business that's gone down this path can go oh yep i've been there felt that seen that done that relatable yes very relatable so you you share a couple of stories early on so uh, cuz i want to talk a little bit about your kind of your current business but your when you started i mean you you've tried a couple of different things mm-hmm. and and not all successful. So yeah. you, what, what were some of the some of the the failed attempts at uh, at startups? Oh, we had a whole <laughs> lot of failures, uh, but those failures were my stepping stones to success. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess the main business that I started that kind of got uh, a little bit of a footing and kind of got out there pretty well for a while was called Curry Simple. So it was the first packaged Thai curry sauce. Mm-hmm. It was restaurant quality. It made it really easy to cook at home. And it was really revolutionary of its time. I mean, I think if I came out with it five, six, seven years later and I was on Shark Tank, mm-hmm. like Barbara would have been like, I'm investing in you, mm-hmm. you know, one of those kind of things. So that did, it was doing well. I was in Whole Food stores and some Kroger's. I was selling food online in 2006. So mm-hmm. I know you, we were talking earlier about eBay and, you know, when mm-hmm. it just got started and you think about like, whoa, those are like the wild west of the internet. Yeah. So think about selling food back in 2006 online. Yeah. Like, Nobody was doing it. And I was like, well, let me try to sell this product that no one has any idea what it is. Yeah. 
and sell it online. Uh, created a YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. So not many people were creating videos back in 2006. Mm -hmm. You know, I wish I kept that channel going, whether it was good videos, bad videos, or something, because I'd probably, those AdSense checks are pretty big these days. Uh, a lot of my friends have those. Yeah. Um, but, you know, ultimately, 2008, we know the financial crisis started. Mm -hmm. 2009, uh, the U.S. dollar just crashed. I wasn't prepared for it at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I was still in the mode of like, hey, I'm in on TV all the time and the newspaper is like, oh, I'm balling. I wasn't balling. Yeah. Not really. I wasn't saving. I wasn't smart. Not like I run the business today. Mm -hmm. So I was just out spending money and partying and doing everything I probably shouldn't have been doing. Um, but I just didn't know back then, mm -hmm. you know, so I had to go through that. And uh, so that segued into a bunch of online stuff. We did music in the cloud. Uh, we actually had music in the cloud before Apple, Google, um, a lot of different other services. And that got a little bit of traction. And then my partner just said, oh, I don't feel like developing this anymore. Mm -hmm. So that was a waste of almost a year of my life, literally mm -hmm. just a complete waste. And then that got into food trucks, which... <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was a good idea to get into food trucks. Yeah. And, you know, that's, we ended up having four food trucks. Not, it's a really tough business to scale. Mm -hmm. Very time intensive, low checks, you know, the, the check average order value. Um, can't do it online, really, mm -hmm. except for some of the marketing of where you are. Uh, didn't work out. And then that's when in 2013 started talking about beauty. So it's a pretty big shift. You kind of hung around in the food technology space, and then you got into the beauty space. Walk me through how you kind of fell into that. Yeah, so <laughs> I was out to lunch at one of my favorite lunch restaurants in Atlanta, Tacos and Tequila, mm -hmm. and my business partner is telling me about how his girlfriend goes to the salon and spends all this money. Mm -hmm. And I said, wow, that's crazy. Like, really? People spend this much money on this stuff? And he's like, yeah. And, and it's funny because over the years, everything that I've done, I've always been a product guy and a technology guy. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like you could put any product in there and I would become over time passionate about it. So now I'm absolutely crazy about the hair and beauty industry and creating all these products and going to factories in China and everywhere else. Mm -hmm. So it was just one of those things where I, I looked online and there wasn't a lot of people selling these products online. So I thought it was a good opportunity. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of said, hey, let's give this a try. And pretty much instantly, I think all the other skills that I've gained over the many years of entrepreneurship, I put those into play and I said, I'm going to do things a little different this time. I'm going to do it the right way for sure. And that's all it took. So a lot of people have ideas. A lot of people get these concepts. A lot of people start to say, hey, yeah, this is great. This is going to be the next big thing. And a lot of them die a painful death, slow, painful death. Uh, just can't get it to launch. Just can't get motion on it. Um, where where do you see? So you've you you admittedly had a, a few startups and failures or for various reasons over the years. What was different about this endeavor? What was what were the the pieces that you kind of picked up from the the quote unquote failures uh, to to kind of get to that point? I was getting a little bit older, and I said, I don't have time to keep messing things up. Mm -hmm. Let's get real serious. Uh, so one of the things that I did was I was very careful about every single dollar I spent. Mm -hmm. You know, before I felt like I was being cheap. As a young entrepreneur, I was like, oh, I don't want to negotiate and this, that, the other, because I'm being cheap. Mm -hmm. No, it's just business. And then it becomes almost a game at that point, right? Uh, so I was very careful financially. When I first started this business, I actually was working another job in real estate about 50 hours a week. Mm -hmm. So 
I was running this business before going into the office, mm -hmm. after the office. I started building a team. So I had employee number one, employee number two, employee number three. And it wasn't until two and a half years later, I technically was employee number four for the company. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to make sure everything was set up, the financials, starting to get a few systems in place. We still had plenty more to build um, before I came on full-time mm -hmm. within the business. And then once I came on full-time, that's when things really started to scale. Yeah, it's interesting in the book you discuss uh, a lot about that and the fact that you had uh, full-time employees that you were paying before you actually were paying a sal taking a salary. And there's a, I think there's a lot of those stories out there. And then there's the alternate side of that that you listen to people and they're like, never. If you can't pay yourself, then you're you're doing it wrong. And there's so you have contrasting opinions on the right way and the wrong way to do it. Uh, and and I think that there's also this mentality in kind of the entrepreneurship world or entrepreneurial world that says if you if it's not always a struggle, then it's not effectively worth doing it. And then you have that, again, contrasting opinion of, well, if you can't pay yourself and you're not being you know profitable and successful, then you shouldn't even do it to begin with. So two completely opposing opinions. How is how, how is an individual that says, "Hey, I think this is this is what I want to go after. This is what I want to do." How do you say, "Well, it, how do you fall in one of those camps?" You have to understand there's a lot of paths to success, right? So everybody's journey is going to be different. Everyone's mm -hmm. going to have their own opinion. I tried the, "Hey, let me just keep paying myself," yeah, and that it didn't work out too well. <laughs> and what happens at some point when I started this business? I was completely broke. I borrowed the money, my portion of the investment, which honestly wasn't even that much to mm -hmm. get this going. I borrowed it from my mom. Mm -hmm. I didn't even have the money. My bank account literally was negative when I started this company. Mm -hmm. um, so it's one of those things where I said, I'm going to hold back from all the shiny objects, mm -hmm. all the pleasure of having a successful business for a while. Right. So really, I started to learn what I call the long game mm -hmm. in business. My long game is sweet now. I mean, I plan things so far, so far ahead. And I think about the times that I was really broke and mm -hmm. struggling. I had to like clubs that I used to go into and like pop bottles. Now I'm there bartending again because mm -hmm. I'm like, I have to pay my mortgage when my business failed. So I said, you know what? I, I, I can embrace the fact that I don't drive a fancy car right now. Mm -hmm. Does this fancy car help my business? No, then I'm not doing it. Mm -hmm. Right. So those are the kind of things that I put in place and it really paid off. I think this, the, the interesting component. So at that point, I, I want to kind of come back to this uh, later on where we're headed down that path. But anyways, the, the long game. When does the long game, because I think there's a lot of people that are kind of hanging in that mode right now. When is the long game to the point where you can say, okay, it's been so long and I've been struggling and suffering and kind of going through those motions. When do I actually get to enjoy it? Because it's that, that, uh, that, that uh, uh, ever-growing fantasy that, that success is just around the corner. And right. after I make this next deal, then it's gonna then it's gonna be the thing. We just gotta hire five more people and then it's gonna be the thing. When does it when does it become to the point where you can actually start enjoying it? Yeah, I think and that's gonna be your own decision. Mm -hmm. And that's one of those things it's funny you say that because I always said back in twenty you know twenty fourteen or fifteen, I was like, if I could just sell one million dollars a year, <laughs> I would be set for life. Mm -hmm. And now I'm like, if I don't sell a million dollars a month, I'm in trouble. Mm -hmm. So it's funny how your mind changes and that shifts. Uh, you know, for me, I was driving this uh, 2006 white box Scion. It's mm -hmm. like one of the literally looks like a box going, going down the road, and it was 
sometime in 2019, I was meeting with my CPA about something and he saw me actually pull up in the sign. He's like, dude, he's like, he's just, I mean, big guy. Like you would be scared if you saw him, mm-hmm. but he, somehow he's a CPA. Yeah. He's like, dude, you're still driving that Scion. And I was like, yeah. I was like, of course. I was like, the car's, car's great. Mm-hmm. He's like, man, go get yourself a car. You see how much you sell now. We can write off, you know, because all yeah. you do is work anyway. We'll write off, go lease something. Don't lease a Ferrari. Lease something, you know, realistic. Mm-hmm. We'll write off 80%. The car is going to barely cost you anything. Mm-hmm. And I said, really? And he's like, yeah. So I got myself a nice new car, a lease, best car I've ever owned in my life. And um, at that point, it made sense. Mm -hmm. So you have to figure out what makes sense for you and your business. At that point, it made sense because I could definitely afford the payment and I needed an extra tax write-off. And these business expenses can be pretty good if you're, you know, have a good accountant or smart about it. And it just kind of made sense. So if it's not going to take too much away from your business and it's something you enjoy, I think it's a good idea. I mean, that's why I was joking earlier about the credit card rewards points mm-hmm. and those kind of things. So I travel a lot and I've been really strategic about learning how to put all business expenses on credit cards that give me points. So my personal travel at this point is all free. Mm-hmm. First class flights, amazing hotels, all free. Mm-hmm. So you can also be smart in your business to get rewards that you know you earn from doing good in business. Mm-hmm. Just that simple sometimes. Yeah. It, and it, I think that that's, that's the kind of interesting concept around it because you said, it, I think that that's one of the things when, when people are starting out in a business realm that there's this elusive understanding. And I don't want to try to paint it as a negative picture because it's there's, there's excitement about growing a business. But, hey, if I could just sell a million dollars a year, but it's underestimating what it's going to cost you to sell a million dollars a year. Oh, for sure. And then it's the growth of that. And that's, I think that's one of the the big learning experiences that I've had over time is you can look at a scale, but you, it, until you've walked that scale up, you don't quite understand what the, what it's going to cost you to get to that point. How many new employees? What are the, what's the space going to be required? How many places are you going to have to, what are the vehicles that you're going to have to have to, what is the marketing going to require? All of those other things to get you to that point. Cause it, when you're starting out, you're just saying, oh, well, I just sold $10,000 worth of stuff and man, it was great. So if I can just multiply that out times, then it's that much more profitable, but there's a, there's a unknown, uh, cost associated. And there's a shift in how you run things Mm. with systems and everything else. I mean, there was a huge shift from us being in the mid millions to getting, you know, over 10, $15 million, like Mm -hmm. what we've had to do inside the business and the changes we've had to make. Mm -hmm. And some of those changes become really difficult when you have staff that been with you a long, a long time. I mean, employee number one is still with us today. Employee number two, she's kind of a consultant, does the podcast with me. Mm -hmm. Employee number three is still with us today. Employee number four, I'm still here. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the shifts with some of the other employees, some people made it, some people didn't because we had to systematize everything we were doing for growth. Mm -hmm. So it's really, you know, and it also comes down to money. If you have a lot of money, you can buy speed in your business a sure. lot of times with mm-hmm. additional ads and other sorts of things. But if you're broke, you got to figure it out and <laughs> you got to definitely put in the hard work. So it's kind of a scale of how much money do you want to put in or get investors and mm-hmm. give away part of your business? Or do you want to put in the work initially and maybe have more later? We understand the frustrations HOA board members and property managers face when deciding the best solution for their HOA and pool security. Should we use a keypad, hand out keys, or install a key card system? Do we even need cameras? 
These are some of the questions that are difficult to navigate, and we're here to help. At LockDock Security, we've spent over 20 years working with homeowners associations and property managers to find the system that best fits the pool and HOA needs. Camera systems for the front gate or front entrance, key card systems for the pool gates, or simply updating the gate so that it meets safety and code compliance. We like to take the guesswork out of the process to answer any questions and help find the right solution. Our mission is to help you protect your people and your property, and that includes pools. Contact our team today to schedule your free consultation for your community. So the the hard work that goes into to, to starting a business or even growing a business, because I think that's really a, the other side of this is maybe the business already is existing and, and it's plugging along pretty good, but you see growth potential. And so what is going to be the requirement to, to take it from that current uh, level to, to scale it up? One of the things that you talk about in your book is expect to say no to a lot of things. Um, and, and you said it in a couple of different ways because, uh, and I, I recall there was a, a, a screenshot of a text message in here where somebody was asking you to, I guess, mentor them or give them some advice or something. And you said no, but now you seemingly have a, a renewed perspective or have created a, the ability to not always have to say no. So to tell me through that, expect to say no a lot. And then how you've been able to take that no into a yes in some situations. For sure. I mean, my earlier years of entrepreneurship, because I was really good at online and e-commerce, because I started really early, mm -hmm. you know, all the time I'd be like, oh yeah, I can help you do this. I can help you do that. You know, it's my friends, it's that, the other. It got me nowhere. Mm -hmm. Right. And I learned that I said, hey, if I'm spending all my time helping everybody with their business, how the heck am I going to grow my business? Mm -hmm. In the beginning, you had to be very selfish and say no. Because really, it's one of those things. I actually, I think I heard it on one of your episodes about putting the oxygen mask on first. Mm -hmm. You kind of have to do that. And a lot of times, I'll reach out to some people. I, I mentor a couple people now. Um, you know, it's usually over lunch because mm -hmm. I'm going to eat lunch. We all eat lunch. I might as well eat lunch and say, hey, we have an hour. I'll buy you lunch and just come with a bunch of questions and I'm going to give you all the honest, you know, at where I know and knowledge now, I'll give you all the information I have. Mm -hmm. um, so I do do that. But it's one of those things where you have to be really careful with your time because it's so important and giving out the right information. Mm -hmm. But at an early age in entrepreneurship, if you're not 100% focused on your business, it's just not going to grow, mm -hmm. right? And then over time, you might, you know, be able to do things to give back to the community, be able to do a book that talks about entrepreneurship. But at the end of the day, the book is also still marketing for my personal brand or mm -hmm. for the business. Uh, yes, yeah, the hair business blueprint, like we said, and you think it's going to be about hair. It's really basically not about hair. But because I'm in the hair industry, I had to focus on a niche for the mm -hmm. book sure. for it to be successful, which it has been. Um, and it's just, it's helped with tons of connections. It's gotten me in amazing places like this. So you just, in the beginning, don't try to help people too much because you need to help yourself. Yeah. And you, but now you, you're heavily uh, involved in online groups, Facebook groups, things like that, that you're actively sharing advice and connecting with people. Yeah, because I can do it at scale, mm -hmm. right? So I have a Facebook group. It's the largest Facebook group for starting hair business on Facebook. I'm just at about 40,000 members. Mm -hmm. I've posted in there consistently for about eight years. And that group has also been a great driving force for our business because of the direct feedback that I can get from our customers as far as, okay, what kind of products you guys want, getting feedback on items, 
um, you know, those kind of things. It's having your pulse directly on that, especially in my position, is just unbelievable because I can make moves really quick based mm-hmm. on immediate feedback from within the group and all these other hair entrepreneurs. Yeah. Uh, so having a resource like that, I think of it as more of a resource. And I do go in there and educate because I think it's important before you have an ask, you have to give, give, and I'll give for years. Mm-hmm. And you know, some people don't like me in the hair industry because they try to charge all this crazy money for consulting and other miscellaneous BS. And I'm just like, oh, I'll just do it for free. Mm-hmm. And people are like, wait, what? So it's it's interesting, you know, when you can get to that point. But really, one of my missions is to help people in our industry and just the beauty industry in general. And you know, we've we've done a pretty good job at that. So you sound like a busy guy. Yeah, always got stuff going on. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> There's a, a a section of your book um, that really stood stood out to me. Uh, it was a letter from your your longtime girlfriend yep. about how to how to be a partner to an entrepreneur. Uh, my wife and I have talked about this a lot over the years. There is CEO peer groups. There's business peer groups. There's uh, beauty brand uh, consulting groups. If you want to try to grow a business, if you're in the mindset of trying to do something big, there is so many support groups out there that you can feed off of people. For a, oftentimes somebody that has that drive, that motivation, that 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 factor of just kind of getting deep into the details of, of trying to develop something, you know, maybe they're an, an inventor or whatever. Oftentimes the, their partner or their spouse is not necessarily in that same mode and they don't necessarily like that. Maybe they like a, a more uh, consistent lifestyle. Maybe they like a little bit more stabilization. And I've often talked about how there is not a lot of support groups or peer groups for partners or spouses of people in the entrepreneurial world or business ownership, because it's a totally different world that you have to deal with the day to day, the 60, 80 hours a week, hundred hours a week, whatever that you're putting in the business. But then when you're at home, your mind, like you said, there's no off position on it. So you, your, your girlfriend writes this uh, letter in here talking about how, uh, how you guys have kind of navigated that. I want to I want to kind of talk about that a little bit because I think that's a very important factor um, of of this because if you're it's hard to be a successful entrepreneur, successful business owner, successful business leader without the support of your spouse or your partner because if they're not in alignment with that or they're not if if it's not working there, then it's going to impact you everywhere else for sure. So that was a long lead up to a question that I haven't really asked, but tell me a little bit about how you've navigated that, how the the kind of ups and downs of dealing, of being a, an obnoxious entrepreneur that is 100% focused on business development, business growth. Yeah, not easy. Uh, the road was really rocky in the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, especially when I really didn't have any money. Any money that I had, you know, just had to pay for the basics. So that way, you know, because I wasn't taking any money on the business, mm-hmm. you know, the business was doing, you know, just over a million dollars a year before I took my first dollar out mm-hmm. dollar, you know, so uh, is it's one of those things where we definitely had some rough times. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're still together today about to celebrate 11 years, which is amazing. Uh, but she's been a huge part of my success in the business, keeping me stable mm-hmm. because, you know, she's definitely the one that likes the nine to five job security when it's five o'clock and she's done working, that switch goes off mm-hmm. where me, it's just, I'm kind of a little bit wild. 
a little bit out there, uh, the ideas and everything else. So she'd help bring me back to earth a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, so over time, things have got better. I've learned how to take a little bit of time to kind of figure out, okay, let me shut things, try to shut things down or let's do more things. Uh, I think being able to travel more has helped and be able to work remote travel. And, you know, I'll get up real early in the morning mm -hmm. and I'll work, you know, four or five, six hours. Hey, go ahead and sleep in, no problem. And I can, you know, we'll go out during all afternoon, mm -hmm. right? Or night. And um, so those kind of things, you kind of have to find a balance and communicate is really important. I mean, all she really wanted in life was security. And she's an immigrant from the Philippines, mm -hmm. came here. I mean, when I say I had nothing, I mean, they were on a whole nother level of nothing, living mm -hmm. in a garage, basically, as a child for the first few years. So, I mean, I can't even fathom that. Yeah. Um, so it it definitely was it's tough a lot of people's situations going to be different i think her the letter she wrote is absolutely beautiful i think it's a very unique um a unique statement to be in a book about for entrepreneurship mm -hmm. and i think it's something that every like i think it's definitely something that you can hand your significant other mm -hmm. and say hey just kind of read this mm -hmm. and maybe you'll help understand i th i believe i actually took that statement and i put it on my hair business blueprint website which is the website for this book mm -hmm. just so even if you don't want to buy the book i think it's so important that you can just send the link to your significant other it's mm -hmm. in probably one of the blogs mm -hmm. just for them to read this whole statement that she did because it, it's it's very tough well and and i think just the navigating it from from both sides because you know, man, I, I've some of the some of the kind of deep dives that we've done on personality assessments and understanding those types of things. It's it's all in how you kind of see the world, and also understanding how each other sees the world. Because uh, for you, working and growing a business to a million dollars before you take a, a dollar out makes sense. There, it it naturally makes sense to you, and you wouldn't have it any other way. For somebody that's wanting stability. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Oh, for sure. Right? You know? Yeah. And so it's like, how do you explain that nonsense to somebody that just, it just doesn't make sense to them, but it also, it just clearly makes sense to you. It's just, they're like, how would this not make sense? You know, so you're just almost kind of mixing two completely different worlds together. Oh, it's, yeah, it's definitely a mix. There's some oil and water going on right there. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where you kind of have to try to, at a... Uh, basic level, explain some of the numbers. Because, yeah, getting to a million dollars, but you're spending a lot of money to get there, mm -hmm. especially in the beginning with getting things set up, all the mistakes you make that you hopefully aren't going to make again. Uh, those can cost you a lot of money. So it's definitely one of those things, a conversation that not everyone's going to get. Over time, she got a lot better at understanding um, what it takes to grow the business. And now actually a lot of her friends that get entrepreneurial boyfriends or husbands and whatnot, they'll reach out to her for advice yeah. about like, hey, this is crazy. Like they're selling all this stuff. Why isn't he like, why aren't we going everywhere on all these things and buying all these big homes and everything mm -hmm. else? And I'm like, business can slow down quick. If you have these all these expenses and this mansion to pay for and everything else and things slow down, what happens then? What does your life look like? Mm -hmm. So explaining that process and, you know, I always tell her, I said, look, I've been really broke before and I'm not going back. So we're going to have to be a little bit cautious moving forward. Yeah. It's one of the a couple of things that she points out in, in that letter is talking about uh, setting expectations on both sides and then communicating that. And, and I think she even puts in there about holding holding you accountable for those expectations. And I it's it's it was intriguing reading it and listening to it because I could I can see some of those things playing out from a perspective of 
just getting frustrated. One of our core values in our business is defined expectations. And we say you can't be frustrated with unmet expectations if you haven't clearly defined them. Meaning I expect you to be home at this time or I expect us to have dinner together every night at this time is a clear defined expectation for you. doesn't matter. Like it doesn't, why do we have to have dinner at the same time every night? I've got business to run here. Right. For somebody that's looking for consistency and stability that wants to shut it off at 5 PM. That's a very important factor. Yeah. It's, it's definitely something tough. It, you know, I, I definitely have changed over the time and luckily I've, I've really built a, an amazing team. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the, pretty much all the day-to-day -day stuff, I don't have to handle Pretty much anything anymore. Mm -hmm. um, I think Richard Branson said one of the most, uh, the best ways to become successful in your business is take yourself out of the business. So one of the main things you need to do is figure out how to get yourself out of the business. So I can have more of an overview of what's going on. Um, and I can manage most of the stuff on my phone. I see everything going on and always trying to find out better ways to improve things to buy my time back mm -hmm. is really important. And it's not time that so I can just sit on the couch and watch next Netflix. Yeah. It's so I can maybe read more books. I can be more creative mentally because I'm not doing these redundant daily tasks. I can hire people to do that. So as an entrepreneur, you have to start figuring that out, which gives me more time to be with my girlfriend, mm -hmm. which has worked out really good. Can you copy this key? That's a question we get asked about 3,422 times a year. And how can you actually be sure that the person who asked that question is supposed to get a copy of that key? Well, we think you should always know who can copy your keys to your business and your home because it could be your neighbor, an old employee, a contractor, or even worse, your mother-in-law. At LockDock Security, we believe in protected key systems, so you always know who has a copy of your key. To find out more, visit LockDock.net or stop by our Charlotte location. LockDock Security, helping you protect your people and your property in a, uh, a structure of a growing business, you've got the really hard work in the very beginning, just kind of getting things established and figuring it out. Some of the things that you talk about in here is getting organized, having a plan, having some consistency. And that's where those factors, I think, are, um, it, it is, it's intriguing to hear that from a serial entrepreneur that is probably thinking of a thousand different things simultaneously and everything's new and shiny and exciting to say having structure and and uh, and consistency and all of those things, that's the antithesis of the way that your mind typically operates. Right. But that is the fundamentals of how a business will grow is having the structure and the consistency and the and and all of those things. Getting somebody in place to operate them and run them consistently gives you the freedom to continue to reinvent, continue to restructure, continue to rethink without it completely uh, throwing the business off on a day-to-day -day basis. For sure. And it's one of those things where you personally, you have to make sure your personal life mm -hmm. is under control mm -hmm. and you have good structure. Because if your personal life is not good, your business life is probably, you can't do both. Mm -hmm. What are you going to have a business and you, your personal life's a disaster and you're going to have a business that's going to be successful? Mm -hmm. There's no way, you know, and even especially in the beginning of your business, I tell people, start putting systems in place, get an accountant, do all these little things that you think you can do later. Mm -hmm. If your business starts blowing up big and you don't have this stuff in place, you're going to be playing a lot of cleanup. Cleanup gets expensive, mm -hmm. right? And if you can't manage these little things when a business is small, 
when you have 20, 30 employees doing, you know, millions of dollars of sales a month and everything else, you think it's going to get easier? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, you're, you're, you're in for it. Yeah. So at a lower level, make sure that you, as what you know, because we can talk about it today, because like easy for me, because I've been through it, right? Mm-hmm. But you have to start working on the education component of what you need to do, especially in the beginning for your business to stay organized mm-hmm. and really go with that. You know, like meeting with an accountant, meeting with a lawyer, it's generally not that expensive to do. They want to earn your business. They probably give you maybe even a free session, something like that, uh, and kind of do an overview of your business. So I think it's so important to have both your personal and your business, you know, both things that I work on consistently mm-hmm. uh, in order. Otherwise, there's no way to scale. Yeah. And, and not having good systems in place, good good processes in place. I think that is where, you know, we've seen our struggles over the years as we've scaled. It's trying to implement systems and processes afterwards. And, Ooh, yes, yeah, and that's what uh, kind of what you're saying is don't discount that at the early stage. If, if it's five employees, be so systematized that uh, that you can scale it because it is really hard when you get to 15, 20, 30 employees to go back and try to systematize at that point when you have 30 iterations of it happening. It's uh, a lot difficult, more difficult to implement. Yeah, and people don't like change. Mm-hmm. So people get hired for a job, and the next thing you know, you're trying to change all these things and putting all these systems in place. Like, that scares people. People mm-hmm. will go home and they're talking to the significant other. Oh my God, every time I go to work, mm-hmm. they're changing something on me or it's always something new or yeah. hectic. And, you know, because usually if you don't have these systems in place, you put systems in place to solve problems. Mm-hmm. So within our company, as problems arise, if it's a new problem, mm-hmm. right away I say, okay, we're going to take that hit because generally a problem or something comes up, it's a financial burden on us. Mm-hmm. Okay, luckily we can take that hit. And that's okay. I'm not mad if someone does something, whatever it could be. Mm-hmm. But let's just put in a system a system in place so it doesn't continue to happen, mm-hmm. right? So making sure that you really are like at a very high level looking at all these little things because they can start adding up, but really thinking about your staff and how to put them down the right path, mm-hmm. right? Because once you start getting a bunch of different personalities together, mm-hmm. if you don't have – our employee handbook is – I don't know how long. It's probably like six, eight pages, something like that. My office manager literally sits there with you and makes you read the whole employee handbook, mm-hmm. right? Because sometimes what we've learned is we'll have somebody, they'll do something that is way off the handbook, mm-hmm. and they'll be like, oh, well, I didn't know. And yeah. they'll say, well, you have the handbook. Well, I didn't read the handbook. Oh, now you read the handbook. It's the mm-hmm. only way to get in the door. You got to read the whole handbook. Yeah. And we continue to add to that and add to the systems. It's it's so important. It's not going to happen day one. Mm-hmm. But as long as you have in the back of your mind and it's something that you're going to continuously work on day in, day out, your business will run a lot easier and you'll be more successful. You'll be happier. Your clients will be happier. Your staff will have expectations. They'll be happier. It's a win-win for everybody. You think you go into big billion-dollar corporations that don't have systems? Yeah. They have a system for everything, mm-hmm. right? And that's how they got there. Yeah. Just that simple. Yeah, no, it's it's a big factor. And I think that it is probably the biggest limiter in uh, in business growth uh, is you max out your systems. And I think the other big component of it is, and it'd be interesting uh, to hear from you since you've been through multiple uh, scaling points, uh, at what points you had to kind of reevaluate or change up your systems or or add to them at a, at a major level because obviously the systems that you put in place for a million dollars did not work at five million and they didn't work at 10 million and like though they you have to adapt 
Yeah, I think getting to a million dollars in sales, I think nowadays is, you know, it's pretty achievable, mm-hmm. right? If you have a good product and good with marketing and whatnot. And you don't, for me, I didn't really need too much in place mm-hmm. at that point. But definitely once you start getting more people on team and getting to that 5 million mark, you're getting pretty busy, mm-hmm. whatever your product is. And we have a pretty high average order value. Um, so we can get there pretty quick. Um, a big shift was switching to eight figures. Mm-hmm. Like once you break the $10 million mark, you're like a real business. Mm-hmm. I mean, most people, most businesses will never ever do that number mm-hmm. in a year, right? So there has to be a fundamental shift in everything you do mm-hmm. to kind of make sure that you stay there and can continue moving forward, right? And you have to make sure you have the right leaders in place. Um, you know, one bad apple in your network of staff can be really dangerous, yeah. right? So like it is very true. It'd be very, I mean, the, for, to get hired at our company now, it's, you know, multiple interviews, all these assessments mm-hmm. and everything else. It's because if you have people, and we've kind of a smaller staff now, if you have, if you put someone in that's just going to hang out, mm-hmm. they're going to show up late, they're not going to really be part of the program. Mm-hmm. It's like putting a ticking time bomb inside your whole organization of everyone running your company. Mm-hmm. So having those types of systems in place is going to be really important. And if you have somebody that's just not going to work out in the beginning, like you just have to let them go. Yeah. Like in be, honestly, in the beginning, I didn't want to fire anyone. I was like, no, let's keep working with them. Let's try to help them. Da da da. Figure out what's going on. Worst idea ever, mm-hmm. right? Because some people they just we all come from different backgrounds. Some people just aren't a good fit for this company, mm-hmm. right? If it's maybe just a company where there's a lot, plenty of companies you can just sit around and do nothing all day. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're a better fit for something like that where they just need a body to push a button every once in a while. Sure. For us, we're trying to grow. We make it, you know, our we have a bonus package after you've been with us a year that after, you know, based on our revenue, it's, you know, you can get a monthly bonus, which mm-hmm. I thought was something that no one had ever done for me. Mm-hmm. So everyone's pushing hard because they want that. They know that monthly bonus check mm-hmm. is going to be bigger, but you all have to work together to get there. Yeah. No, great, great, uh, great concept and implementation. You've got a lot of information in this book. You've got a lot of great concepts uh, to implement. Uh, I want to be mindful of our time because uh, I think we, we've, covered a lot in here. Um, but your number one piece of advice to anybody that's either starting uh, in down the entrepreneurship path or somebody that is kind of already there, but but wanting to scale? Consistency. You had to be consistent in all parts of your life and your business. You know, and one big part of that is the education component, mm-hmm. you know, because I really do spend a lot more time now focusing on education and I'm trying to be more consistent with reading and doing that. You know, when I drive, I listen to podcasts or when I walk at night, I listen to podcasts. I try not to listen to too much radio. The reason why you haven't gotten to a certain level in your business is because you haven't learned how to get there. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're going to get you're going to read a book. You might take a few things out of that. You're going to listen to a podcast. I'm actually reading Atomic Habits again. Mm-hmm. A very, very popular book. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's interesting because they talk about, you know, you're consistent with your with your habits, not really setting goals, but these habits. Mm-hmm. And as it goes up and people don't really see it until you hit like break this plateau. And all of a sudden you've heard it before where it's like out of nowhere, this person just their business blew up. And you're like. I've been doing this for like six years mm-hmm. straight. Now you notice because you break through that plateau. Mm-hmm. But to break through that plateau, you know, I'm really thinking how I do things and and less goals and being more systematized with my habits. Mm-hmm. And but being consistent, being great, <laughs> because you can you can have bad habits and bad systems, mm-hmm. right? So you have to make sure that you're all headed in the right direction. But you, if you're not consistent day in and day out, I mean. 
our company, we don't have like big celebrities promoting us. Um, you know, we don't do, we're not huge on social media, but we do better than most companies in our industry. And I believe one of the reasons why is because for the last, this is year nine, for the last nine years, day in, day out, we've been consistent. It's mm. not always this big pop or this big exciting thing, getting on some major TV show or something like that. Although we are going to be on some good TV shows coming out now. Um, but before that, it's just that consistency will pay off. If yeah. you can't be consistent, you might as well not do it. It's just you're going to waste your time and effort and a lot of money if you can't be consistent. And, you know, it's just not going to happen. Mikey, thanks again for the conversation today. It was a blast. We had a, a fun time chatting before and after the, the recording. And uh, thank you for, for joining us in the studio today. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and check out uh, check out his book, Fearless Beauty. It's a, it's a great read um, and will give you a lot more insights to kind of exactly what it's like to be uh, a real life story from an entrepreneurial perspective. Thank you for joining us today. We'll see you next time right here on the Coffee Break Podcast.